Consequence Podcast Network. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Matthew R., Brandon, Dave, Tristam, Kate, Sasha, Isaac, Ori, Matthew, Karun, Eddie, Nick B., and Chris. And Chris and all the patrons want you all to know that you are loved, you are listened to, and you are a valued member of this awesome, awesome Horror Virgin family. If you want to hang out with us all, join the Facebook group where we have a lot of fun daily. Yay, yay. Paige, Paige, what do you have chained down in the cellar? Oh, it's just Jake. Uh, but don't worry about it. It's healthy. <laughs> just like our Fifty Shades of Grey episode. It was supposed to be the theme music. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My cat found the condoms. Thank you for turning into the horror virgin on page. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, you guys made me watch (laughs) Evil Evil Dead 2. So I have never seen this movie before, but I feel like I'm the only person in the world who hasn't. I'm assuming both of you guys have seen it before. Yeah, this was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Oh, yeah. I I can definitely see it being like one of those maybe early teens where you like get into it and think it's like hilarious kind of movie. No, this is definitely one of those movies I would like play Legos to like as like a kid. Mikey was unsupervised, ladies. <laughs> like nine or ten or whatever. Mikey's mom was disinterested. No, she liked. She knew I liked a lot of like science fiction and horror movies, and so I mean, like if it, it came on TV edited. Yeah, there's a lot of science in this movie. like the tv versions were okay sure that that actually is fair like return of the living dead is not a movie anyone should watch as a child but i if they made a tv version i'm sure it's fine yeah and so you know i would just like watch usa and tnt like during like on saturday afternoons they would show movies like this all day i mean this movie actually is not as bad as return of the living dead right like this movie was fine i don't think there's any nudity oh no i guess there was like claymation nudity (laughs) there's claymation nudity i i'd be more worried about the gore with this movie this yeah. this is very very bloody it's not realistic but it is very bloody i mean but there's one point where the blood is blue and one point where the blood is green it's insane i have notes about that oh, about why nice. that is well excellent i love those a uh, fun facts you have so Paige, you've seen it before when did you first see it i saw this in college okay and my husband and i about a year ago at this point went to the evil dead pop-up museum where they had like rebuilt portions of the cabin and they had a bunch of props and you could like take pictures as if you're in the cabin and they set it up as like an interactive experience so as you kind of like walk through the tape recorders playing and the like crazy deers on the wall that's awesome it's super super fun it's uh we did it at a place in la called the mystic museum so if you want to follow them on instagram to follow their shit at mystic museum but yes so i have seen this many times and then uh, my husband is a huge fan of ash versus evil dead which is the tv show that comes after the third movie and so we'd been watching that this week as well awesome i've heard that that's really fun too super fun lucy lawless is in it what 
Xena? Yeah, Xena Warrior Princess. So, Todd, are you wondering why we started with two instead of one? Yes. Yeah, I have some explanations for you. So we did Evil Dead 1, the remake. Completely unrelated. The remake does not even belong as canon in this franchise. Really? Okay. I'll say Evil Dead, the remake that we watched, I saw similar themes, right? Mm -hmm. And I sort of thought it was a decent horror movie, but it feels very out of character for what this movie was. Yeah, I would say it's a decent cabin horror movie yes. it's not an evil dead movie this is an evil dead movie yeah okay do you mean like in tone yes that's fair because this feels like sam raimi had a very specific silly sort of vision for this and that evil dead remake i think it i think it was 2013 don't quote me on that it is 2013 that movie feels like someone loved evil dead but actually wanted to make like a horror movie out of yes that. absolutely that's fine i thought it was a good version of that but this is much more fun. <laughs> so this is quintessential Evil Dead. All of the Evil Dead movies are funny like this. So like to have one that's completely not and just like serious scary is I think probably why the new one didn't do as well. Because <laughs> people were just like, what is this? This is not Evil Dead. <laughs> I think it would have done well had it not been called Evil Dead. Because I think it was a pretty effective good movie. I mean, I didn't like it because it was scary, but I can see it was a good horror movie. So a little bit of info because you have not seen Evil Dead 1. I have not. You don't need to to understand this movie. Okay. And I will say Evil Dead 2 and Mikey chime in if you disagree evil dead 2 is the one people remember <laughs> hardly anyone watches evil dead 1 yeah evil dead 2 is better i think in all ways <laughs> evil dead 1 is a little bit more tries to be more horror it's a lower budget it's like four friends going to the woods and they all get killed kind of the same way it's the quintessential teens go to the woods movie yeah so here's what happened because there is some overlap there are some plot points that happen in both movies people have speculated is this a sequel is it a remake and in a way it is both. Uh, allow me to explain. Sam Raimi's original vision for the sequel was to have Ash's character, Bruce Campbell, travel back in time to the Middle Ages and basically fight demons in the Middle Ages, which is the third movie of this franchise. I haven't seen Army of Darkness, but it sounds like that's what that's setting up. Yeah, that's what Army of Darkness is. But in order to do that, the first movie doesn't necessarily end in a way that would make that possible. So what he really needed to be able to do was to be able to recap part of the first movie with original footage, add a handful of new scenes to explain him traveling back in time, and then have that movie be traveling back in time. But the first Evil Dead was owned by New Line, and they passed on Evil Dead 2. So did Universal. So did Fox. Basically, everyone passed on Evil Dead 2. Right. <laughs> Uh, they saw <laughs> Evil Dead 1 and they were like, that's fun and all, but there's a lot of tree rape and not a lot of dividends. So <laughs> they all they all passed. None of them wanted to fund Evil Dead 2. And so then he asked New Line, like, well, can I have the footage so I can, you know, make it as like a recap in the beginning of the movie? And New Line was just like, <laughs> no. Right. And so he says, OK, I'll just have to make it. I'll have to do a recap and refilm it to explain why and how Ashley gets to the cabin. But in doing that, he didn't have enough money to reshoot all the stuff he needed to shoot with the same amount of people and the same sets and cabin and everything. Right. Especially because the new cabin was built in a gymnasium as like a really? living soundstage. Yes. And you can actually see portions of it in the movie if you look hard enough. 
Interesting. Ooh. So what some people have done online is edited the two films together. Really? Into one longer, cohesive Evil Dead movie that is more along the lines of what they think Sam Raimi wanted if they could have if he could have accomplished his his vision essentially right if new line had given him the footage if new line had given him the footage or if he had had enough money when making the first evil dead to film out the last section of the movie where ash is alone in the cabin yeah because that's kind of what makes the di- the difference in him being able to travel back in time uh so that's where we start so that's why you don't really need evil dead one because it does recap everything yeah but the implication is supposed to be that you saw evil dead one and this is a recap for the first five minutes i mean i didn't see evil dead one and i feel like i knew exactly what was going on yeah, the whole time you... i didn't feel lost <laughs> at any moment yeah you shouldn't i i would say evil dead 2 is complete on its own yeah i, I would agree but let's just jump into the movie because we got a lot to talk about so number one the first scene we open on is a title card for rosebud releasing corporation and that is actually something very important that's going to come up in fun facts so keep that in mind okay. remember that it happened we'll get to it later all right so we open with a voiceover the dark ones wrote the book of the dead yeah, it's legend has it it was written by the Dark Ones, yeah. Necronomicon Ex Mortis, which they do call it something different in, in Evil Dead 1. There are some things that had to change movie to movie to get rights, and the same is true for Ash versus Evil Dead, where things have had to change. Interesting. The same is true for Ash versus Evil Dead, where things have had to change because of who owns the rights to what. Because, like, no one studio owns the rights to all the Evil Deads. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. That's hilarious. No one ever wants to make a sequel after they make an Evil Dead movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they make like one Evil Dead thing and they're like, that was fun, but we don't need to do this again. This was a mistake. Mikey, you've heard that before, right? <laughs> From your mother. Aw, mom. <laughs> I like how I blame my mom. <laughs> He's so dashing. He he picked lint out of his belly button earlier. How could you not be instantly swayed? The voiceover continues, and it says, roughly translated, this means the Book of the Dead. We find out that it was bound in human skin and inked in blood. It serves as a passageway to evil worlds beyond. It was written long ago, and it disappeared in 1300 AD, which, if you know the franchise, is when Army of Darkness takes place. Well, I mean, it sort of sets it up at the very end. You're like, okay, this is the Dark Ages, yeah. It has a lot of similarities with my journal. What, the Necronomicon does? Oh, yeah. Bound in human flesh, written in blood. Very moody. <laughs> anyway, so we cut to a car right. <laughs> driving through the forest. Oh, man. I loved when the car gets to the bridge and it clearly becomes like a Hot Wheels car. Someone pushed yeah. across the bridge. <laughs> I, I love that. So the car is driving through the forest and Ash and Linda are talking about like, are you sure there's not going to be anyone at this cabin? Which I don't know how you would know that a cabin was abandoned without going. But he he claims it is. Yeah, he's like, don't worry about it, baby. Don't worry about <laughs> it. It's definitely abandoned. Uh, but then, yes, it does cu- cut to a spooky bridge that is clear. Nearly like a cardboard diorama with a Hot Wheels car. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> this, is, this is so funny. We then get an exterior shot of the cabin. Fun fact, this cabin was the basis for both the cabin in Cabin Fever 
and Cabin in the Woods. Both are referencing this film with their cabin design. They do look like it. They do look like it. This was built to look like the original Evil Dead cabin, which now has since burned down. In fact, it burned down shortly before they started filming Cabin Fever because Eli Roth originally wanted to film Cabin Fever in the Evil Dead cabin and ended up having to build a cabin that looked like the Evil Dead cabin once they found out that that cabin had burned down. Oh, still would have made that movie better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Evil Dead series is a huge inspiration for him in that movie. And so we'll see a lot of things in this movie that appear both in that movie and Cabin in the Woods. I'll point some of them out, but like there's so many that we really probably should have had you watch this before you watch Cabin in the Woods. So interior of the cabin, Bruce Campbell, Ash, uh, which they haven't introduced him yet. <laughs> his name is Ashley. I don't think they use his name at all in the movie. No, they do, because I didn't know what it was. They they use it up front. It's like around the time. they do, It's like one or two scenes after this. It's okay. when he's playing piano for no reason, and then he goes over to Linda. She says his name. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so his name is Ashley, Ash for short. His girlfriend Linda is dancing around the cabin, and they are gonna bone. He gives her a necklace, and it's like a tiny magnifying glass. It's a monocle. It It sort of is a monocle, which I thought was very funny. If you listen to Romance in the Pod, you'll get that joke. But I don't know why this is there. It doesn't really come back, really. It's just very strange. It's a metaphor for his love and it makes him see crystal clear that's why he turns not evil that's actually correct it it is a (laughs) touch although you said it like you were an idiot it is correct (laughs) it's a touchstone for his time before the possession if that makes sense so like it goes from them like dancing around about to bone she goes into the bedroom to change, I guess. Which she was already pantsless. Why put on more stuff if you're about to have sex? Like, what what's happening? Why are we doing that? I think she was putting on lingerie, which again is unfathomable. Yeah, why but, would you do that? <laughs> but I think that's what she's doing. And as she's doing it, she's saying, I feel funny about being here. What if they come home? And he's like, they won't come home. If they do, we'll just say our car broke down. Right. And he basically goes to get them champagne. They've set the champagne on the desk next to a reel-to-reel recorder instead of in the fridge, which I'm like, Ash, get right. What are you doing? Now, (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but whenever I find a spooky reel-to-reel recorder, I don't play it. Oh, I play it immediately. He plays it. This, uh, apart from also being an Evil Dead one, is heavily referenced in the basement scenes of Cabin in the Woods. Uh, Yeah, it is. So on the recording, we hear Professor Raymond Noby professor of ancient history log entry number two where he basically describes that he has had a significant find in castle cantar they journeyed there we get a flashback of it they find the book of the dead they brought the book to the cabin to study undisturbed and he begins translating and as he's reading aloud via the tape recorder a spiritual presence roams the forest and the recitation passages cause possession So playing the tapes calls the spirit back through the forest into the cabin. It crashes through the window and Linda is gone. Yes. It takes Linda. Yeah. So Linda gets taken. But did you guys think that the evil spirit was already out and loose and was just brought back because of the recording and also because there were people there that it could mess with? No, this is a a new spirit because the the recording released a new spirit. 
Because there's one in the basement. Here's what I think, because I think the later parts of the film inform this. I think you could argue either way. I would personally argue it's already out in the forest. Same. That's what I thought, too. And it's just waiting for a new person to take. Yeah, because no one had been in that cabin because the dad's dead and the mom's already possessed buried in in the ground, right? Exactly. Yeah. At this point, we are five minutes into the film. Oh my God. There were so many times I paused this movie because I was like, what? How are we already here? Like, okay. <laughs> I like the pacing. <laughs> it's very Mikey movie paced. But he runs into the woods to find Linda. Linda is possessed. And yes, that jump scare got me. I literally was like, ah. Yeah, it's a good one. Because I wasn't expecting it. I, I mean, we're like six minutes into the movie and there's a jump scare. And then he beheads her with a shovel right which is also a plot point from the first evil dead now knowing what you know about the film now does this being five minutes into the film make more sense well it seemed like it should have been like an hour into the first film and they just needed to recap it really quickly if that makes sense so linda doesn't die until very late into the first film yeah but so like he's burying linda in this movie and i paused it and i was like Dude, we are six minutes and 42 seconds into this movie, <laughs> and he's already decapped and buried his girlfriend. Like, what, is, what else is going to happen in this movie if that's where it starts? You can tell that this is not the first girlfriend that's accidentally died around him and he's had to bury. You say accidentally, okay. but that shit was not an accident. Well, here's my favorite is that in any sort of zombie or possession movie, feelings get in the way and people are always like, I don't want like think about the omen where he couldn't kill the the kid because it was somebody he loved. And Uh. I love that Ash does not hesitate. He's just like, oh, you're going to float through the forest at me, bitch? (laughs) Shovel. (laughs) And he does shovel her. He does shovel her. He buries her in the forest. But then this is where we get the shaky cam through the forest into the cabin and into Ash blowing him through the forest. He falls into a giant puddle and day breaks. He comes out of the puddle possessed but afraid of the sun. Yeah, I didn't quite understand that because they're not vampires, they're demons, but he does like the sun like burns the demon out of him, I guess. Yeah, the fog and the evil retreats which was filmed in reverse. Uh, and as the really? fog you think? <laughs> yeah, like, there's, there's a lot of stuff in this movie <laughs> that was just shot and played in reverse. Um as the fog retreats from the forest, it also retreats from his eyes, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And at this point we are less than 10 minutes into this movie. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. He lays there for hours into daylight and then wakes up. He takes a look at the cabin. It seems evil. He hears Here's a voice that says, join us, which is from the original movie as well. He drives away in his car covered in mud. Now, here's something that I have fun facts about later, but I had forgotten about this movie as I was initially watching it. So he's got those dark drips down the sides of his face. Yeah. And for a hot second, I was like, is that hair dye? Like, (laughs) is his hair dye bleeding down his face? But no, it's just the mud, right? It's blood that's not blood colored. Oh, Uh. okay. There's a lot of that in this movie, strangely. And there is a reason for that, but yeah. So he is doing the only correct thing in this moment, and that is to get the fuck off of this mountain and away from the cabin. But (laughs) he goes to the bridge, and the bridge looks like the bottom half of someone's really jankety teeth. It's like a claw. Yeah, it's like a claw. It looks like your feet, Todd. Hey, I have beautiful (laughs) hairy hobbit feet. Rude. (laughs) If you guys want feet pics, join the Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this scene, again, almost entirely lifted 
in Cabin in the Woods, where this yes. is the same thing where they drive away and the bridge and everything is gone. Except the, the shot of Ash on the cliff yelling and the bridge is like bent up on both sides. Yes. And they're clearly using the same miniature be- from before, but he's like, yes, like imposed there. It was so yes. funny. I love it <laughs> so much. Uh, my favorite is later when other people see the bridge and he's like, clearly the bridge is out and they cut back to it, but it's dark. Yeah. And they give it a look like they can also see that it's a model and they're yeah. just like okay <laughs> uh so it's getting dark and the forest is getting spooky again i have i have a legit question about this because he sure, woke sure. up it was daylight the bur- demon gets burned out of him he starts driving in the day like in the morning yeah. and then yeah. he gets to the bridge and it's night yes how long was that drive I mean, if you're looking for real answers, this movie's <laughs> Todd, if, if that's the thing that's going to bother you about this movie, I have unfortunate news. <laughs> I headcanon think that he laid in that puddle for a long time. Okay, okay. Yeah. Now, I do want to mention, because this is going to happen a lot in this movie, it also happened in the first Evil Dead, the spirit, quote unquote, is personified in this movie as shaky camera motions through the forest. Yeah. That's because they didn't have a lot of money and so the Ramey brothers uh, Sam and his brother Ted invented a camera rig that is still used to this day they are the first people to invent it where they essentially took because they couldn't afford steady cams, a piece of plywood that was flexible so like not super rigid attached a camera to the center of it and then attached straps to the corners of that plywood and ran with it and as you run with it the camera bounces and bobs and weaves in a way that's really erratic and when you speed the film up that's how we get that visual of the spirit going through the forest very cool very cool yeah they call it the shaky cam like that's literally what it's called a shaky cam cool now every action movie uses that same shot (laughs) yeah except now they build like fancy rigs to do it but the Raimi brothers were like I don't know we could afford plywood maybe uh so (laughs) this is why low budget movies sometimes have the most innovative shit it's this is true I tried to build one in college and nearly broke a camera so (laughs) caution uh so he throws the car into reverse he turns around he drives away through the dark forest yeah dude when he hits that tree and then goes through the windshield and like yeah Yeah. and then like gets up and continues running i was like okay ash is just like a superhero he is the tv show establishes (laughs) that yes ash is probably a superhero of sorts fair enough uh and also a ladies man well i mean you know he started off the movie with linda you could argue that he ghosted linda (laughs) 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 now i know why mikey loves uh, bruce campbell so much (laughs) Uh, I have met him and it's great. I've heard he's super crazy nice. Uh, But also, I kind of think he's hot in this movie. Same. I think he's handsome AF in this movie. Like, if I was Linda, he could totally get it. So I know this this movie is kind of silly, but I wish more horror movies had people who were willing to fight the things coming after them. Yes. Instead of just running. I think it's such a refreshing take. And I, and like this was one of the first, but not many people do it. You know what I mean? He tries to run at first, but once he realizes he can't get off the mountain, it becomes a fight. And we're like 10 well, minutes into the movie when he changes, yeah. you know? Well, yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. he goes like, he, and then like he basically just goes insane and accepts like this is a really bad situation. I can either like give up and die or fight. Yeah. And I love how the movie 
represents that and like him him kind of losing it and i wish more movies would do kind of things like that <laughs> so he crashes the car into a tree goes through the windshield <laughs> takes off through the forest just running after full-blown flying through the windshield and hitting a tree yeah because like the car hit the tree he flew through the windshield hits the tree and rolls across the floor of the forest and then for like two seconds is down and then he's back up again running through the forest yes he gets back to the cabin cr- he goes through the front door closes the door and then proceeds to basically break through every door in this cabin i love this part because this the spirit chasing <laughs> him. oh my god i love this part because the camera shaking camera or the demon or yeah. the spirit or whatever is chasing bruce campbell through the house right and then yes like every inch of this house is covered and then he, you see bruce like through the shaky cam run into the front room and then the shaky cam runs into the front room and then he's gone so like bruce <laughs> campbell <laughs> legit just like ran and hid in a corner or something and it fooled the spirit so this is one of the scenes where because this cabin was built as a soundstage in a high school gymnasium along with some of the forest and stuff around it but because it was built as a soundstage as the camera runs through the house if you look closely you can see that the house has no roof and that above it it is just the ceiling of the high school gymnasium i did not realize that and because of the shaky cam you can't control your sight lines as easily and so there are one or two shots where either out of window or where there is no roof you can kind of see out of the house into the gymnasium. (laughs) But you do have to look very, very, very closely for it. It's not easy. You have to be looking for it. So the entity retreats out of the cabin, and it turns out he's hiding in the trap door of the cabin in the floor. Now, Henrietta, who is buried in the basement, has not come to life yet. So he's currently safe in that trap door. Right. We cut to a plane landing. It's the professor's daughter, Annie, the one from the Real to Real tapes. Yeah. She was also in the flashback. She's in the flashback. We've also seen her picture on the desk. Oh, okay. So yeah. that's how we can kind of identify her. She found the extra pages of the Book of the Dead, but they haven't aged. She says that they're going to begin the translation tonight, but she hasn't spoken to her father in a week, and it'll take them a while to get to the cabin. Yeah. So is she with her boyfriend? That is her boyfriend, essentially. He asks her what the pages could do, and she says probably nothing, but possibly a doorway to another world. I thought this was super weird. Like, if it's the Book of the Dead, why would the Book of the Dead not like make you immortal or bring back dead people or whatever like why would it be rick's portal gun from rick and morty like that made no (laughs) sense to me essentially and they cover this in the tv show later it's effectively a grimoire is what i would call it as opposed to truly a necronomicon Ah. which is what though Paige? uh like a book of spells okay because in the tv show they treat it almost like a DD manual of like here's all the monsters that you could call into this world if you have a death wish um along with spells to call them and spells to do other things as well. So, yes, it is the Book of the Dead, but I think of it more as a grimoire. Right. That makes more sense. So Ash is back in the cabin losing it, and he has barricaded all the windows and doors, and we get a close-up on the deer, which is deer shadowing for later. But here's what's crazy. (laughs) He's barricaded all the windows and doors with what looks like, and it's just because they had no money, but he didn't just, like, 
nail wood across the doors in an orderly fashion it's clearly the work of a madman (laughs) there's like holes in it where it's like he broke through all those doors and at one point in this movie there were full-blown doors in this cabin and now there's just a bunch of badly assembled fences and it's just (laughs) real crazy and doesn't keep anything out and it's they look like they're made of cardboard it's crazy they probably are made of cardboard but so were the doors because the shaky camera blasts through all of them Blast through every door. Yeah. Well, we've all blasted <laughs> through a door. Mikey, I don't know that that's true. Have you walked through a screen door? Yeah. <laughs> Same. Paige, you have too? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, I will say I didn't break the screen, but it hurt very badly. <laughs> oh, I broke the screen and took it off the hinges. <laughs> I need you guys to know that the fictional character that I relate to the most that's basically the best representation of me on film is Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, that That makes makes sense. sense. I can see that. Well, that's a sad, sad, terrible fact. Let's move on. (laughs) So, (laughs) Ash is losing it. He thinks he hears something. He goes to open a fence slash door, uh, and he (laughs) opens it into darkness, and he enters, and we find that it's the piano room from before, but the piano is playing on its own. And all fairness, Paige, it was playing on its own in the first scene, because there's no way (laughs) this piano was actually playing that. But yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, He pulls out Linda's necklace and he gets sad. Yeah. Not for long, though, because something is trying to break in from the outside. And he looks out the window where he sees that the cross that he marked her grave with has fallen over. Yeah, we actually see it fall. And then the hand shoot up out of the grave he dug for her. Yep. Her body comes out of the grave. And claymation naked dances through the woods <laughs> it's like shaking it in stop motion yeah yes picks up picks up her head it's basically a scene from nightmare before christmas it is yeah like tim burton was like "Ooh, i have some thoughts she's like beckoning ash outside and then she suggestively dances with a tree which is a nod to the first evil dead right and the trilatio monogamous oh yes nailed it oh my god there's tree rape in the first one uh so (laughs) in case you were not aware in case you weren't aware i think it's in the new one too i don't really believe in sex outside of mahogany (laughs) <laughs> oh my god uh, I love you guys so much She just frolics off into the forest The fog comes back Yes And he can't really see And then jump scare She's at the door window This scared me too Like I legit got scared by the jump scares And she's basically saying Come out and dance with me She's yeah. trying to get him through the barricade She like pops over and says Come out and dance with me. <laughs> well, then she grabs him and bangs his head against the barricade a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, like 30 times. So the head falls off her body again, and we cut to he's back in the other room again, and he's losing it. So he, at this point, I think, is thinking, did I imagine that? But then her head falls in his lap. Yes, it's insane. So, like, in my mind, what we didn't see was at the window where her body was, her, like, basketball-style shoot her own head (laughs) over into his lap. And that's the shot I wanted. (laughs) She gives a great head. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, there's a reason he brought it to the cabin, Mikey. I get it. (laughs) 
I like to I like to think because the cabin was in a gymnasium that she was just a sweet three pointer <laughs> right into the rocking chair. What you didn't see was she shoots and just leaves her hand up in the air as it goes and travels into his lap. That's what it was. <laughs> so her head falls into his lap and it bites his hand. Thus begins probably three or four minutes of some of the funniest parts of this movie (laughs) where he's trying to get her head off his hand and he's literally just like smashing her head into everything in this cabin as she's like come on join us you can't do it and she's just like heckling him as he's bashing her head into stuff Bruce Campbell's acting in this is like super physical comedy it's amazing when he leaves the cabin and he steps like off the stairs onto this barrel that's there for no reason and like just like completely falls all the way I was like, this guy is committing to this very absurd bit they're pulling off right now. Yes. Now, at this point, he decides he's going to leave the cabin and we get a dubbed word that is work shed. And I have notes about that later. But he leaves the cabin into the forest to go out into the work shed, which is just kind of off to the side of the cabin. Yeah. Once in the work shed, he puts her head in a vice to pull his hand out. <laughs> and the head just like keeps talking to talking shit from the vice where yeah, it's just it like, we have Linda soul. She suffers in torment. Uh, he looks on the wall and there's a chalk outline of where a chainsaw should be. Which I thought was hilarious. Why? Why would anybody do that? You know where your <laughs> chainsaw is. Yeah, no one would do that. That's why it's one of the best, like, <laughs> I don't know if it was supposed to be a joke, but it felt like one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I felt like that about a lot of this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. if Sam Raimi had come out and said, I don't know why people think this is funny. It hurts my feelings that people laugh at my movie. Terrible. I would also feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I do get the impression that he knows it's silly, right? So that's why I enjoy it so much. Yeah. Yeah. So no sooner have we realized that there's a chainsaw missing from the wall, that the headless body runs in, chainsaw roaring. I know. And it ends up chainsawing itself in the neck. <laughs> and a bunch of black stuff, almost kind of like tar, comes out of it. Yeah. The chainsaw is stuck in the neck ash tackles it removes the arm and the chainsaw with it starts up the chainsaw again turns back to linda's head but linda is now regular linda and she's like we'd always be together i love you but then it's back to the demon face so he chainsaws her head i paused it here we're 22 minutes and 30 seconds into this movie and he has killed and decapitated his girlfriend twice she can come back to life and he's cut her head in half this is an insane movie with an insane speed and we get like a splash of blood against the light bulb in the workshed turning (laughs) everything red yeah he stumbles out of the workshed with the chainsaw back into the cabin where he finds a shotgun on the wall he tosses the chainsaw down he loads the shotgun and looks at the rocking chair which appears to be rocking on its own this part was sort of weird because he he creeps up to it and then reaches out like probably shoulder height and touches what is nothing 
and then it stops. He he drops the shotgun. He goes to the mirror where he sees his own reflection and he says, I'm fine. But Mirror Ash reaches out and talks to him and says, I don't think so. We just cut our girlfriend up with a chainsaw. Does that sound fine? <laughs> and then he starts strangling him. But then it turns out he's strangling himself, which, by the way, that was referenced in Conjuring 2 in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the same shot sequence. So at this point, his hand is clearly not okay. The one where she bit his hand. Oh, and we see like mm-hmm. black stuff like growing on it. Yeah, yeah, it's like black and veiny where she bit him. It is clearly an evil hand. Yes. And it attacks him. And at this point, we're less than 30 minutes into this film. I know. And he is like legit fighting with his hand. Yeah, he screams, you bastards, you dirty bastards. Give me back my hand. <laughs> We cut back to the people with the extra pages of the Necronomicon and they're driving until they reach a roadblock. She gets out of the car and she says, is this the road to the Nobi cabin? And Hillbilly Ed basically says, you ain't going there. And then shines the light on the bridge model. (laughs) Uh, The daughter says, there must be another way in. There's got to be a road or something. He says, no road. Why you want to go up there anyway? And then she says, it's none of your business. (laughs) But she does say it like ominously. Like you're just having a conversation. You don't have to be like dramatic about it. (laughs) Yeah. Then he basically says, there is a trail. You could follow Bobby Joe and me, but it'll cost you 45. I mean, $100. And she says, if you take my luggage, it's a deal. Which we saw her load her luggage, so we know what's up. It was so much. Yeah. But he looks in the back seat. All he sees is the pages and that one bag. And so he's like, you've got a deal. Yeah, because he doesn't realize trunks exist because this lady has a lot of junk in it. Oh, yes. <laughs> I do love immediately when we see them walking up, we see him like with the backpack from Monty Python on the Holy Grail, like the guy running yes. behind the guy with the coconuts. I love that shit, man. I thought that was hilarious. So we cut back to the cabin where evil hand is kicking the shit out of Bruce Campbell. <laughs> this is what I love about this movie and Bruce Campbell really is he commits to the absurdity of the bit. Absolutely. Because yes. he is really like he's flipping around because he's choking himself and he's like hitting himself. It is honestly impressive. Yeah. Without Bruce Campbell, these movies don't work. Absolutely. And like they talk about that. Like with they, you know, they have a good working relationship. Well, here's the thing about the new one too, is that the new one was not gonna include Bruce Campbell. And so he kind of like gave his blessing of like, yeah, you know, go on, do your own thing, let Evil Dead be new. And I honestly think that him and his energy and that more playful feeling is what's missing from the new movie. Like, that's why it's not an Evil Dead movie. It's just a horror movie. I can see that. I'll say again, I think it is a good horror movie. It just does not feel like an Evil Dead movie. Yeah. So they're in the kitchen. He's trying to wash the evil hand, and the hand keeps breaking (laughs) dishes. Over his head. And slamming his head into the sink. This was insane. Yeah, the hand flips him over and keeps breaking dishes against his face until he (laughs) passes out. Right. Or does he pass out? He does pass out, but the hand doesn't pass out. Yeah, but the hand, like, sees a meat cleaver and starts to drag Bruce Campbell's, like, lifeless body, which I thought was really well done. Also, the hand has, like, a talking voice, and I love it. Oh, yeah. How is the 
a hand making squirrel-like sounds? Like, where are those sounds coming from? My favorite is whenever the demons laugh, it is chimpanzees. And then whenever this hand is moving, it's like sped up chimpanzees. I'm not sure. Is it? Yes. One of my favorite things about this scene, that physical comedy of him literally sliding across the floor because the hand is pulling him and you know that bruce campbell is doing it yeah but it looks amazing it does look really good like that would take practice yes like he clearly like thought it out and did it yeah, yeah. like what you don't see because we only see like the top half of his body really is his feet like going yeah like pushing himself forward but he gets up to the point where his hand's about to grab the meat cleaver and then you see him stab his hand with a knife <laughs> into the ground <laughs> yeah i was like what is happening but the better part is is then he talks shit to his hand yes. <laughs> who's laughing now and he grabs the chainsaw and starts it with his teeth yes. I that was insane i loved it though i was laughing the entire time he cuts the evil hand off and we're 30 minutes into the movie we're 30 minutes into the movie he's sprayed with blood that is going to disappear in the next scene yes um but also this would 100 percent send you into shock and probably kill you yeah because you can't get to medical help in time we don't know that i saw 127 hours this is just like that movie. <laughs> Wait, 127 hours, he cuts his hand off and he says, Who's laughing now? <laughs> well, okay. But after seeing the disaster artist, I would watch this with James Franco. Same. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He does a great job in that movie. <laughs> so the teens, well, and I say teens, they're adults. They're like all adults with jobs. From the trail are walking up to the cabin. This is where he's got the full trunk on his back. <laughs> yeah. We cut back into the cabin. The evil hand is still alive on the ground. He puts it under a bucket with books on top, and the top book is A Farewell to Our. I did not notice that. Did you not notice that? That is amazing. They they linger on it just long enough to be like a farewell to arms. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. (laughs) So he goes and duct tapes his hand stump, and in the background you can kind of see that the bucket is moving around with the hand in it. It like runs away. Yeah, it's awesome. He grabs the shotgun. The evil hand skitters across the floor. He tries to shoot it and he misses. And he has to reload one-handed, at which point I was like, Sarah Connor is better at this. Let's leave the one-handed shotgun reloading to her. But he does manage to reload. The hand gets caught in a mouse trap, And then he stops, doesn't shoot the hand, makes fun of the hand. And the hand gives him the bird. Yeah, I love that. And then he fires at it. Now, here's a quick because there's so many fun facts, when I can, I'm going to try and pepper them through. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The mousetrap. So the hand originally gets stuck by the thumb in the mousetrap. Then he makes fun of it. And then when we cut back, it's the index finger. And then it gets free. <laughs> and then it gets free. And then it flips him off. So it switches fingers while he's mocking it. <laughs> uh, he fires into the wall. Yeah. And it sounds like he got it because there's blood leaking from the wall. But then, nope. The wall is full of blood. It's just a fire hose of blood (laughs) and then black stuff. And then it all disappears. And he goes to sit down onto the haunted rocking chair and it breaks. 
and he looks up and the haunted mounted deer is laughing at him. <laughs> this is my favorite part. But it's clearly someone's arm working like a mouth. Oh, up the, it's, it's so there's funny. There's so Ugh. many puppets in this movie. Yeah, it's <laughs> so great. This movie love... is chock full of puppets. <laughs> I love this part where everything starts laughing at him. Yeah, the lamp is laughing. The cabin is basically coming alive. When, no, when he gets up and starts dancing with the lamp. Yes. Oh my God. He's just excited. <laughs> Accepted his fate of like, I'm going to die, but I'm going to have fun doing it. Yes. And I'm here for but it. But yeah, we get the deer <laughs> laughing at him. We get the Pixar lamp laughing at him. Books are laughing at him. Like everything yep. in this house is laughing at him. Yeah. And then, and he laughs back at them. Yeah. And he's laughing back. I know. It's he's so laughing great. his ass off. I literally wrote in my notes, what the fuck is happening? I think this is what would happen if I got attacked in a horror movie. Like if this happened to me, I think I would pretty much lose it about 45 minutes in. I think it's interesting that you think you'd make it that long. I think you'd trip and you'd get killed very early on. That's what I think I would die in most zombie movies because all it would take is me running into a spider web across two trees and I'm fucking out. (laughs) I would just be like, and then I'm dead. The zombie apocalypse is what keeps me running every day. (laughs) See, I'm just going to hole up and make my own cheese and probably become a cannibal. (laughs) You had me until that last sentence. I was like, oh, I'm going to Paige's place. Oh, never mind. (laughs) So he hears something at the door and fires. The laughing stops. He reloads. Right. He goes outside. It looks like there's nothing there. And Ed, the hillbilly, just tackles him. The other guy runs in and holds him down. And they basically beat him unconscious. They punch the shit out of Ash. <laughs> yeah, they beat his ass. Well, he, he shot Ed's girlfriend, Annie. And well, no, he shot at Bobby Joe. And we learned that it grazed Bobby Joe's shoulder. He shot at them in general. Yeah, he shot Bobby Joe, the other the other one. The other one. <laughs> I thought Bobby Joe and the hillbilly were like brother and sister, but I guess they could have been boyfriend and girlfriend. Why not both? Uh, Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's the deep woods. So (laughs) the daughter, Annie, comes in. She thinks Ash killed her parents. She starts shaking Ash and yelling at him super hard. Yeah. So he tries to tell them that they're making a mistake. They put him in the cellar and they basically say, I hope you rot down there and close up the cellar. They lock it with a chain. And Bruce Campbell's like physical work in this movie he had to have been so beaten and battered by the end of production because he's like falling downstairs yes. and he's getting hit like and he's actually doing it it's insane well we don't see it until later but he's in amazing shape in this movie yes he is yeah he's a hunk man dude they search the rest of the cabin and they basically say your folks aren't here maybe they never came here and she listens to more of the recording yeah And we find out that her father, the professor, was basically like, I spoke the incantations aloud, and I fear that my wife has become host to a Kandarian demon. Forgive me for what I unleashed. Henrietta's dead. I dragged her down the steps and buried her in the cellar. God help me, I buried her in the floor. And she rises up and screams, Someone is in my root cellar. Someone with a fresh soul. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because Ash is now trapped down there with her, and he runs up to, like, the the trap door and starts hitting it and they do like start to try and let him out and they're trying to unlock the lock but he keeps slamming against the like the door of the cell
cellar and they mm-hmm. can't get a hold of it. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> they can't get him out. Uh, we see Henrietta's face kind of transform via claymation where yeah. she's like, I'll swallow your soul. They finally get him out. Uh, she tries to bite his foot. She grabs the face of the other guy. They crush her head in the cellar door and Bobby Joe ends up eating her eyeball. An eyeball pops out and goes into Bobby Joe's mouth. And she swallows it. That's insane. Hole in one. (laughs) You got to keep your eye on that eye. (laughs) So suddenly it's quiet and the shaking largely stops. Well, yeah. It's called a refractory period page. (laughs) (laughs) We get another section of shaky cam through the forest again. Yeah. Bruce Campbell is now out and mad. And he's like, there's something out there. That witch in the cellar is only part of it. It lives out in those woods in the dark. Something that's coming back. Yes. Bobby Joe screams. She wants to get out of there. Bobby Joe should be throwing up in the corner trying to get that eyeball out of her stomach. That's where she should be. Real. Uh, we hear lullabies coming from the trap door where Henrietta has turned back into her normal self. Yeah. And she's singing to her daughter and clearly knows all about her. And to her credit, Annie basically is just like, that thing is not my mother. And you're like, good. I like your lack of emotion because we're going to definitely need to kill the shit out of her later. <laughs> that's after That's after Ash grabs her shoulder yeah. and shakes it. Yeah. At this point, the boyfriend who Henrietta attacked rises up and now he's possessed. Yes. Because he got bit in the head, right? Yeah. So he's now possessed and he screams out, we are the things that were and shall be again. What we want is your life You'll be dead by dawn. And then everyone starts chanting dead by dawn. Which is the postscript title of this movie because it's evil dead 2 colon dead by dawn. oh is it i i was yeah. like this sounds like a robert rodriguez movie but uh that's from dust till dawn and we should do that movie we are definitely doing that movie that's one of my favorite like horror films all right so he like skitter flies over to bobby joe he flies with like his hands like yes. clawed up yeah very funny and he bites bobby joe's hair and then just like eats a chunk of her hair yeah like rips part of her hair out with his mouth and this is also where we see that he's got multiple sets of teeth he's got like two sets of teeth one behind the other yeah we do it's clearly like a prosthetic like thing right but like ash comes in there with an axe right and starts killing the shit out of him but his blood is like green yeah it's green goo everywhere and the implication is that he also tried to kill henrietta but doesn't yeah because she does come back so they get green goo everywhere they kill that guy and then we hear voices that says we live we live still then we get ed the hillbilly at the window and he says (laughs) i love this because talking to nobody he looks out the window longingly like he's in some sort of telenovela (laughs) and he goes that's funny the trail's now gone the woods have swallowed it up the clock stops it's quiet, yeah. but then we get shots from every direction as if there's something zooming around the cabin. The cabin is coming alive again. Well, and you see their heads like moving back and forth like they're at Wimbledon. Yeah, like they're watching something around the cabin. Yeah. And they basically say it looks like something might be trying to force its way into our world. Yeah. They see lightning coming from one of the other bedrooms. Bruce Campbell is like, we'll all go in together. And Ed <laughs> says, hell no, you're the curious one. <laughs> For the record, that would be me. Mikey, if you were like, we're going to go in there yeah. and see what's up, I'd be like, yeah, you have fun with that. 
I'd go and trip on the doorway as I went in through. <laughs> <laughs> Andy decides that she's going to go with him. Yeah. They walk in and the bedroom looks pretty normal. The other two crash in behind them. And he says, I told you there weren't nothing in here. No, how? <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes all like Disney's haunted mansion on the wall. And we see the daughters. I think her name's Anne. Yeah. Her dad, the professor talking to them. Yes, an apparition. It's Annie's father, yeah. and he says, "There's a dark spirit that wants to destroy you. Your salvation lies there. It's in the book, in the pages of the book that she's found. She's supposed to recite the passages, dispel the evil, save my soul, meaning her father's soul, and your own lives." I really liked this because Todd and I were trapped in a cabin alone in the woods, and we needed a page to help us. Oh, <laughs> I like it. At this point, Bobby Joe says. Jake, you're holding my hand too tight. And then he says, <laughs> I ain't holding your hand. Oh, I guess his name is Jake, not Ed. <laughs> the, so that actor ends up in almost every single one of Sam Raimi's movies after because he liked his performance in this so much. Really? <laughs> yeah. The hillbilly? Yeah. He's wow. in like Spider-Man 2 and a bunch of stuff, but his name is Ed. Yeah. So he says, Jake, you're holding my hand too tight. I ain't holding your hand. And it's the evil hand back <laughs> dumb, again. Dumb, dumb. <laughs> uh, can't get enough of that evil hand. Of course, the evil hand is the right hand. You know why? <laughs> so the lights go out. They relight the lantern. Where's Bobby Joe? She's running through the woods. Yeah, she's trying to get the fuck out of there. I understand completely. My favorite is she like screams, 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 and then eventually just like stops and slows down to look around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she looks around. The trees are alive. She's captured with vines. They're tearing her clothes off and strangling her. They drag her through a puddle. I thought this is where they got the tree rape scene from the remake of Evil Dead because that happens in Evil Dead too. The Yeah, the original Evil Dead has a full-blown tree rape. Yeah, I did not know that because I watched this scene and I was like, oh, wow, they really escalated this for the Evil Dead remake. No, the original Evil Dead has an escalated version of this. And this seems to kind of be... Now, if you edited the movies together, it makes a lot more sense. Because then the tree rape and this would have been in the same movie. So we know that that's what the trees do. Yeah. But they pull her through a puddle. They pull her into a tree. Back in the cabin, they break the glass and look at the pages. And the hillbilly's just looking out the window like, where the hell is she? And the fog comes back. And he's like, I gotta go out there and find her. And Ash says, if she went out in those woods... you can forget about her yeah. and then ash feels something he says it's like someone walking over his grave and it's as she's flipping through the pages and there's a picture of him in 1300 a.d as the hero from the sky prophesied to destroy the evil yeah and it looks like <laughs> the poster for army of darkness which i've seen it looks yes. just like a kid drew that and like yes you, you see that on your fridge because he like handed it to your wife and she put it up there that's what it looks like like, it's amazing. So what we find out is that recitation of the first passage will make the dark spirit manifest itself in the flesh. And he's like, why the hell would we want to do that? And she says the second passage creates a rift and the thing can be forced back into the rift. Yeah. So now we get a hillbilly with a shotgun and he is basically forcing them out of the cabin saying, I'm going to go into the woods to get her. Ash basically says she's dead by now. And at least with these pages, we have a chance. He says the pages don't mean squat. And he throws them in the cellar and says, now you ain't got no choice and forces them outside. They go outside. The forest is clearly both alive and evil and there's no trail. So they have nowhere to go. I mean, the trees are ants. Yes. They're like walking around 
around. Right. Yeah, but like, but evil. Honestly, I saw the way the ants handled those orakai at the Battle of Helm's Deep. They can be bad, but they they didn't rape the orakai. You don't know that, man. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly pillaged them. Yeah. So you don't know how deep that tree gets. Well, we have to count the rings around in the Urukorica. <laughs> he screams for Bobby Joe. We get more shaky cam. The spirits coming through the forest. The fog returns, and suddenly, evil ashes back. Yes. And he throws the hillbilly against the tree and screams "Join us!" Annie runs. She gets to the cabin. She closes the door and locks him outside. He seems to leave, and she turns toward a spine dagger that was not established anywhere else in this movie before now. This is legit the first time we see it. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what is that? That's cool looking. Where did that come from? That comes from Evil Dead 1 <laughs> is the answer to that. The prop team was like, hey, can we use this again? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm My guess is that it was on the desk and we just never really saw it in an establishing shot. Fair enough. Because it it looks like it goes with the book. Yeah. Now, in the TV show, Lucy Lawless has it. Oh. And she also has his hand. Really? His hand survives? <laughs> yes. So, Ash is trying to get into the door. He breaks the lock, or, or she thinks it's Ash trying to get into the door. The right. lock breaks. She stabs the person that walks in, but it turns out it's the hillbilly. And then she tries to wipe his blood off her hands. Which <laughs> 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 is real like, not me. Uh, oops. Uh, but Evil Ash is literally right outside. He's trying to get in through that same door. She drags the hillbilly in. She slams the door a couple times. All of these doors are made of cardboard. Uh, but the pounding stops. She pulls the spine dagger out, which looks like it would be so crazy painful. <laughs> she drags him back into the cabin. She yells at the dying guy to shut up. I which know. Is my I favorite. was like, you just stabbed him in the chest. Like, he is dying and you're yelling at him to shut up he pulled a gun first todd okay i'm not saying that this is not his fault ultimately i'm just saying that she should not be yelling at him to shut up he is mortally wounded yeah she should have cut his throat and finished him off <laughs> wow so she runs back into the office where she grabs the axe that was on the floor yeah and this is when we find out that henrietta is still alive and drags the hillbilly into the cellar with a spray of blood, like so much blood that it floods through that cellar door. It's like bubbling <laughs> up from it as it as she closes it. Yeah. Evil Ash is back. He gets into the it gets into the cabin. He throws her against the wall. And then he sees the necklace on the ground and it breaks through and regular ash is still in there somewhere. Yeah. And he turns back to normal, but somehow is now covered in less blood. <laughs> well, because he's less <laughs> evil. Yeah. Paige. Duh. And he's still trying to kill him, which is understandable. Right. And he says, damn it, I said I was all right. And she's like, maybe you were, but for how long? And also, you've changed sides more than anyone I've ever seen in any movie ever. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> forgive me for thinking you might still be evil. Right. <laughs> and he says, if we're going to beat this thing, we need those pages. Let's get down in that cellar and carve ourselves a witch. <laughs> so we go back to the workshed where he's welding and... Dude, this little quick montage was amazing. He makes himself a chainsaw arm and then uses that chainsaw to saw off the end of the shotgun and just says, 
groovy. I didn't realize that this took place on Ruby Ridge, but it was super interesting that they incorporated that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the sawed off shotguns? Oh my god. That that's a joke for me and no one else. Damn it. <laughs> you can tell I listened to your cult podcast episode on a certain something. I mean that's not a funny one. No, it's not. It's <laughs> that's dark. a real sad and depressing one. Yeah. That was the Koresh episode, right? It's, it's the first in our Waco series, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he says groovy and that becomes a a trope throughout the rest of the pieces of this fan ch- franchise. Which I was a little disappointed when I said I was watching Evil Dead 2 in our uh, text thread. You sent me a gif with him holding up like a metal hand and saying groovy and then that never happened and I was like damn it I wanted to see that. <laughs> so I guess that's probably like an army of darkness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well I'm looking forward to that shit. Spoilers. <laughs> the spoilers. Yeah. The other thing that I thought happened in this movie but apparently doesn't happen until Army of Darkness is he refers to his shotgun as his boomstick. Yeah, that's Army of Darkness. Yeah, this is my boomstick. Yeah, that I've heard too because my friends loved those movies growing up and I refused to watch them because I thought they were scary. Yeah, so the trees are alive, but he makes it back to the cabin. He chainsaws into the cellar as if that won't give them away. And also, they don't just unlock it and open it. He chainsaws in the middle of the cellar door. Ash has changed as a person. (laughs) when When he fought off the possession, he went from just trying to survive to... I want to murder demons. Well, and he literally attached a chainsaw to his arm. Which there's no way that chainsaw would run. And like, it's it's not possible. <laughs> also, how do you accelerate it? You know, you like pull the trigger to start the, the blade from spinning? <laughs> yes. Like, how, yes. Does, how does that happen? No one knows. So he wired this to his brain using nothing but a vice and random things he found in a tool shed. Yeah. Well, he might have had like a little stump part that he could still move. I mean, that's, we don't have to get into it, but it's possible. What is really <laughs> not possible, though, is chainsawing through a door like that and being able to kick it in because the hinges go the other way. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And there's stairs below it. So like you, you yeah. wouldn't be able to do it, but they kick it in. He goes down into the cellar. The stuff in the cellar is wild. And I do have some fun facts about some of the things we see in the cellar. But some of the things that I noticed on this viewing is there's giant drills, but like construction equipment sized drills and then just random gourds hanging. It's a root cellar. Now, quick fun fact as we go, one of the most famous things hanging in the cellar is Freddy Krueger's knife glove. Wait, really? Yes. I'll explain why when we get to fun facts. I cannot (laughs) wait. You've been teasing these fun facts like literally all day. Yes. So he goes down into the cellar. He passes the the glove to open the door that was not there earlier because this is fully a different room than the cellar we saw earlier. It absolutely (laughs) is. Yeah. (laughs) But demons and magic and stuff. I'm in it. I'm into this. The The door just leads under the house into the crawl space he finds the pages he turns on his chainsaw he sees the light bulb he goes back there we think it's going to be a witch no it's just a light bulb and a skeleton yeah this is another jump scare that got me Yes, we see more of the pages and rats, but he gathers all the pages. He goes back to the cellar. I love that he legit throws loose leaf pages at the daughter and she catches (laughs) all of them. Have you ever thrown pages anywhere? They go everywhere. It it should have been like that scene in Mean Girls where she's got the pages from the burn book and they just like fan out into the air. (laughs) But she catches every one of them. That is the most unreal realistic thing in this movie you guys have not thrown pages made out of human skin before 
That's true. That's true. I have not. That would be a first for me. I mean, you are making some assumptions. I think you should not make, Mikey. They're very, <laughs> they're very sticky. <laughs> so he tosses the pages up, and then Henrietta's below the stairs, drags him through the stairs, up in the room. Annie starts reading the pages, and she hears the crashes below. They come up from the cellar, and now Henrietta's like in the air. Yeah, and Ash comes out with his shirt torn, covered in blood. This is the classic Ash form. Anytime you see somebody like depict Ash, this is it. And occasionally, like once a Halloween, I'll see someone with like amazing Ash cosplay and it always looks so great. But this is also where we find out how amazing of shape Bruce Campbell is in because half his shirt's torn off and he is just shred it (laughs) it is nuts and it had been a while since i'd watched this movie and i'd only been watching ash versus evil dead and i was just like damn okay if you've seen ash here and then see him in burn notice you're like huh (laughs) ash's dad was like really out of shape (laughs) (laughs) but he looks amazing here yeah by the way burn notice is the first thing i ever saw bruce campbell in oh gosh oh really yeah and i love him in burn notice he's great i think he's a great actor We, we have to do bubba hotep I've never seen Bubba Hotep. I'm down. What? I've never seen it either. Well, I know you haven't, Todd. It's a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, I, it's one of those things that's been on my list for forever. Okay. So he and Henrietta are fighting, in some cases, in the air. He's literally punching her. And I'm like, why is he punching her when he has a chainsaw for a hand? <laughs> He's like holding her back with the chainsaw hand so he can punch her with his yes, non-weapon hand. his non-chainsaw hand. <laughs> uh, and then Henrietta kind of like things into a skeleton snake yes. and laughs yeah. like a monkey. Yeah, I'll swallow your soul. <laughs> I'll swallow your soul. Annie starts singing the lullaby and it yeah. stops because her mom is still in there somewhere. And then Ash chainsaws it to bits and there's just a blood mist. It's insane. <laughs> yeah. And then the head still screams, I'll swallow your soul. And he says, swallow, swallow this. this. I love that. And then he shoots the head. It was amazing. And this in my notes is where it just says young Bruce Campbell can get it. (laughs) Yes. You're right, though. I am. He's super hunky. Annie is freaking out. Yeah. So he he gives her a hug, but then trees start beating up the cabin. Yeah, the ants start attacking the cabin. And she says, I only completed the first passage to make the evil appear in the flesh. And he says finish it so she tries to start reading the second passage yeah the one to open the rift and send it back and he basically says say it now and a giant evil puppet comes through the front door along with a tree hand yeah and he says finish the passage and get rid of it it really bothered me that he is fighting a big tree or multiple big trees and he has a chainsaw arm and he is not using a chainsaw on the tree a chainsaw is a tree's natural enemy Use it. It was driving me insane. I would say man. Man is the tree's natural enemy. (laughs) So she's reading the passage and the evil hand stabs her in the back with the spine dagger. Yes. Out of nowhere. Yes. And Ash is getting 
fucking thrashed by this tree hand yeah. and this giant puppet. Uh, but Annie is still alive. So she finishes the passage or starts to finish the passage. The rift opens. It starts to swallow the car and a bunch of other stuff inside. And he uses the chainsaw on the Ent's eye. Well, not quite yet. So, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Not quite yet, Todd. Paige yeah. is in charge right now. Sorry. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> there's plot points. Uh, so yeah. uh, it starts to swallow the car and the other stuff. And the evil puppet basically starts screaming, we've won, victory is ours, because it's got the faces of everyone it's eaten on yeah. the side of it. And then Bruce Campbell chainsaws it in the eye as she yes. utters the last word of the last page. Everything gets swallowed up into the rift. But as the cabin is being swallowed too, Ash goes into the rift with all of the evil stuff. And I'm pretty sure the scene is just Christmas lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He lands in 1300 AD along with his car, surrounded by knights on horseback. And they are about to kill him and they say slay the beast tis a deadite which is the first time we hear them referred to as deadites which is the name for them within the franchise they're not zombies they're not demons they're deadites oh, okay so the demons are actually deadites deadites yeah. okay uh then we see a flying deadite and ash just literally like angles his shotgun at the sky and blows its head off it's amazing <laughs> it's so great all the knights basically say, he's the hero foretold in the pages. Hail he who has come from the skies to deliver us. And Ash realizes what's going on and just turns to the sky and says, no. <laughs> and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. Yeah. Credits. Oh, man. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think now? Oh, I love Evil Dead. I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. <laughs> I couldn't tell at all throughout this podcast. <laughs> I also love Evil Dead. I mean, I just think it's one of the best franchises in horror. I think I think it just it's just so good. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. I think it's intended to be funny and they nail it. I think Bruce Campbell knew what kind of movie he was in and man, he is perfect for it. I loved it. I thought it was great. These are some of his first movies ever. This is the reason he has a career, these movies, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just a friend of Sam Raimi, so he did the first one for, like, almost free. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome, but it did, like, sort of kickstart his career, at least in B-movies, right? Yes, absolutely. Because he's, like, a B-movie hero. Yeah, for a while he was, like, a B-movie hero, and then he got stuff like Burn Notice, where yeah. enough people, like, he is beloved, and so people will watch him in stuff that's not B-movies, because he's so beloved mm -hmm. yeah but he's great i i've always loved everything i've seen him in but i had not seen this because i thought it was a scary horror movie i didn't realize it was a horror comedy mm -hmm. but i loved this movie i thought it was great good i'm glad you liked this i wasn't sure i was like todd will either love this or hate this so i'm glad that you liked it the humor is a little unique yeah so i could definitely understand why someone's like no it's just too dumb or whatever for me but that's like my wheelhouse <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. so i really enjoyed it yeah i cannot wait till we watch army of dark Army of Darkness is so fun. It's going to be hard for me to not watch it until we watch it for this because I want to I want to see it because it, it, I bet it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's very different. It's not as scary and it's more just wacky craziness. Awesome. I can't wait. So, Paige, you've been teasing these fun facts. You got to hit us with them fun facts. Let's do this shit. Yes, do it. <laughs> so Stephen King was such a huge fan of Evil Dead 1 from 1981 that while he was working on Maximum Overdrive in 1986, he 
convinced the producer of Maximum Overdrive, Dino De Laurentiis, to have his production company finance Evil Dead 2. Really? Yes. There's only one problem with that. A, Uh cocaine. And B, (laughs) uh, Dino De Laurentiis was bound contractually to not release any movies that would be rated X. And this was definitely going to get an X rating in the UK and probably in the US as well. And so they created a... Yes. Wow. So they... For the gore. It's... I'll get into it. Now, what they did was they chose to create a fake company called Rosebud... So it's not real at all, but it allowed Dino De Laurentiis to finance and produce this movie without his name being on it. So Ah. Rosebud was created specifically for the purposes of releasing Evil Dead 2. It's not a real company. That's amazing. Loopholes! Loopholes! So Freddy Krueger's glove is hanging in the cellar. This is actually part of a long tradition of jokes between Sam Raimi and Wes Craven, which is why we're doing Nightmare 2 next, because... There are tricks in that one, too. The original Evil Dead includes a poster of the Hills Have Eyes. The original Hills Have Eyes. Okay. Uh, And so there's a history of them putting each other's props in each other's movies. Are they friends in real life? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, they're they're friends in real life. And Nightmare 2 was on our list for sequel month. And I do think we should do it next. You can cut it out if you don't want to. But No, let's do uh, it. Let's do it next. Uh, I've never seen it. You've neither of you have seen Nightmare 2. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Um, I'm excited for Nightmare 2 next week. All right. So the work shed. So he does ADR the word work shed because during the scene where the severed head of Linda bites his hand, he says the line work shed, but they couldn't hear it because he was too busy crashing the fake head into stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So the line was redubbed in post, but due to the quality of the audio, it sounds super weird. So nine years later, while filming a cameo in Escape from L.A., the first thing Kurt Russell said to Bruce Campbell on set was, say work shed. (laughs) 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 This is like the most Kurt Russell thing to do, which I love. I love it. That's amazing. Along with the Three Stooges, which was a huge influence on this series, one of the biggest influences was a man named Scott Spiegel's short film called Attack of the Helping Hand. Now, Scott Spiegel did some of the script rewrites and helped with the script for Evil Dead 2. Um, but before that, he made Attack of the Helping Hand. It's a short film where the hamburger helper mascot goes on a violent rampage, what? which inspired the scenes where Ash has to fight against his own hand. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that, I want to see that. That is amazing. But it's I believe it's on YouTube. But here's a fun fact: whenever Ash is possessed and he's evil, Ash he has both hands. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, cool. Then later in the movie, the chainsaw switches hands, and when asked about it, Sam Raimi just said he, he liked the look of Ash walking a different direction. So he reversed the shot. So the chainsaw really does change sides. And you can kind of track it from shot to shot through the movie. I like how he just doesn't care. He's like, yeah, yeah, I thought it looked a little better. It looked cooler on this other side. Henrietta's played by Ted Raimi, Sam's brother, who also helped produce the film. I'm sorry, the mother of the... Yes. 
Okay, is in the in the suit, not when it's the normal looking. <laughs> oh, okay, mother. okay. I was suit. like, that, he's a pretty fishy old lady. Yeah, no, it's only <laughs> only in the evil suit. Okay, that makes sense. That suit was made of latex, really? pure latex. Oh, and it was so incredibly hot. Yeah, that it started falling apart, and you can actually <laughs> see in the scenes where it's flying that there are just pieces, like especially in the crotch, that are like in shreds. Uh, but also, it started to <laughs> fill with sweat. And if you look in that same scene close up, you can see white fluid leaking from the ears, and it's sweat and baby powder. Oh, oh. <laughs> gross! Now I mentioned the different colors of blood. So the producers of the film insisted upon using different colors of blood to try and avoid an X rating because if it's not red, you could argue that it's not blood. But this proved to be futile as the MPAA gave the film an X rating anyway. The film was ultimately released unrated and is one of the most successful unrated films at the time, although it has been surpassed more recently. The large demonic head that Ash battles in the climax of the film was nicknamed the Rotten Apple Head by the crew, <laughs> and it was too large and cumbersome for them to take back to California when filming was completed, so they just left it in the woods of North Carolina what? and it disappeared and its whereabouts were unknown for years until it was found in a Halloween haunted house attraction <laughs> just outside the original shooting location in Wadesboro, North Carolina What? at which point they have retrieved pieces of it and I saw pieces of it at the museum that's oh, amazing nice. that is amazing as they were filming, many scenes were lost. Um, in part, they had been initial cuts to the movie, but then we never found copies of them. And some of those scenes that we know have been lost from this film is early on when the professor is reading the incantation. We can see Henrietta in her rocking chair and her eyes become demonic. So that uh. gives us a clue a little bit earlier. We have more scenes with Linda's severed head. Uh, with like a long snake like tongue and like throwing up the black stuff on him. Yeah. There's an extended take of all that blood coming out of the wall with green and yellow instead of red. And there's also an extended sequence of half-headed Ed, which is the boyfriend, running after the other characters until they chop him to pieces. Yeah. Also, there's a scene of Ash as evil Ash eating a squirrel as he runs after Annie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we lose a shot of his demonic face morphing back to normal after taking after picking up the necklace. So instead, we see him see him from behind. Yeah. Now, they do have a rat on the stairs over Bruce Campbell's shoulder in the cellar and the one that's by the skeleton. It's the same rat they used in both places. And the crew nicknamed that rat Senor Cojones. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the knight at the end that declares that Ash is the hero foretold from the sky is played by Sam Raimi. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. There you go. Those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those awesome, amazing, actual fun facts. Sometimes the fun facts get depressing. Let's move on to some box office. So what do you guys think the budget for this movie was? I think this movie cost $50,000. <laughs> Mikey, what do you think it was? I say $1 million. All right. The budget for this movie was $3.6 million. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot more a lot more than I thought it would be, right? But I mean, well, that doesn't surprise me completely. The first 
one had such a low budget that they used a real cabin. And in this one, they were able to build that entire cabin yeah. set and the forest. So three million makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk about its opening weekend. It opened on March 13th, 1987. When it came out, it was 14th that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so normally I only do the top five Because the movies that we do Were in the top five So bear with me here It's going to take a while to get down to it uh, So Lethal Weapon Was number oh, one classic. that week yeah. A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Was number two that week Platoon was number three that week These are like really big movies From the 80s yes. And then Tin Men was four Angel Heart was five. Some Kind of Wonderful was six. Witchboard, seven. Mannequin was eight. Mannequin, another classic 80s movie. (laughs) Outrageous Fortune. Hoosiers, another 80s movie. Very famous 80s movie. Yeah, like Gene Hackman's best 80s movie. Heat was 11. Heat is also a good movie. I know, right? It's great. Wait, wait, wait. Crocodile Dundee was number 12. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's not a dead eye. This is a dead eye. (laughs) Absolutely. Black Widow was 13, and then 14, of course, was Evil Dead. It's opening weekend. It made (laughs) $807,000. So it didn't do amazing. But I mean, again, only $3.6 million budget. I mean, it didn't do terrible if its budget was 3.5. Yeah, honestly, for this type of movie, for it to make it a nationwide release, that's a win. But it went on to make almost $6 million. It made $5.9 million at the box office. And this movie has legs. Like, it has made so much money in, like, DVD and Blu-ray sales, in merch, and all of that stuff. It's uh, it's become such an iconic movie. They've made money on this franchise. Yeah, well, I mean, enough to make a third one and a TV show and a remake and for Sam Raimi to go on to be one of the most in-demand directors of the early 2000s yeah. and still have clout today. So, like, it reaches far beyond its actual dividends. Absolutely, yeah. So that's box office. All right, let's do that scary scale, Mikey. All right, scary scale is a scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we thought the film was at the time of viewing. It's not a scale of quality of the film. I think I have some ideas about where we're going to rate this. Uh, Our our one example is Ghostbusters. Our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Paige? I'm going to give this a 1. I don't think it's that scary, but I love it a lot. Todd? If I gave this a 1, my girlfriend would call me a liar because she saw me go, ah! The first time Linda jumped up at the very beginning. (laughs) So I'm going to give it a two, but it is not scary. It just has some jump scares that like get you, but honestly are more funny than scary. Well, what you're missing a jump scare from the first movie where one of the deadites jumps up with a knife and stabs somebody in the ankle and just the it's freaky because of her body motion. She's just like, ah, and <laughs> classic. We should watch it. Just watching you do it right now is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going to give it a one that for sense. all of the reasons. Yeah. 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 But it's an awesome movie. Like if this was like a scale of quality, I'd give it a nine. Like it's so good. Watch this movie. I mean, I'm the only one who hasn't seen it. I get it. So like, but yeah. if you haven't, yeah. watch it. It's yeah. great. And if you have watched it again, it's great. Yeah. Oh, infinitely rewatchable. Yeah. We actually sort of talked about what we're watching next week. So we're going to watch Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I'm so excited. Your homework this week is to watch Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I'm so excited to watch Nightmare <laughs> 2 with you guys. I can't wait. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Like so many. 
There are so many. And if you guys want to have Mikey read your review on the podcast, go to Apple iTunes and leave us that five-star review with a little text for Mikey to read something. We had a blast last week with Mikey reading us a review. So uh, I love (laughs) Silly's fun reviews. So have us read your Silly Fun review by leaving us a five-star review. Mikey, do you got one? TC Staten1234 says, my new best friends. Aww. Aww. You don't know me. (laughs) Is this what it's like to have friends? Um... I came across this podcast <laughs> mid-pandemic, and it's become my constant companion. As a mom of three with a husband that works out of state, I need adult interaction. This podcast not only provides some adult conversation, <laughs> they discuss one of their one of my favorite things, horror. Their banter and witty humor is so entertaining and causes me to laugh Aww. out loud frequently. Well, that's very sweet. All joking aside, this podcast has been my life raft during this terrifying pandemic. Everyone feels so isolated right now. This go this went darker than I was anticipating. <laughs> Everyone feels so isolated right now, so it's been refreshing to have some new friends in quotation marks. Nice. Love you guys and thanks for making all of us feel loved. Awesome. Five Aww. stars. That is such a sweet and awesome review. And sorry, the pandemic is making everything hard for everybody. So I'm glad that we can provide some levity in these dark, dark timeline moments. And guys, if you want to have your review read right on the podcast, leave us that five star review. This episode was brought to you by Nick B. Nick B. Fun fact. Oh yeah. Um, he is gonna dress Officer Boo. Did I just watch you remove lint from your belly button while you were talking to me? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad I was not looking up. I was. <laughs> I need to adjust the angle of this camera. <laughs> <laughs> That's so embarrassing. <laughs> I'll cut it out, Mikey. <laughs> you can keep some of it. In. Hey, Mikey, do you have a fun fact about Nick B? Nick B, fun fact. He's dressing up Officer B as a giant pumpkin this year for Halloween. Oh, a, a puppy pumpkin. I love it. A pumpkin. Oh, yes. Pumpkin. I love it, Paige. I don't know why he didn't dress him up as a police officer. A doctor does not go to a Halloween party dressed as a doctor, Mikey. Well, I want to see pictures, Nick B, of how adorable Officer Boo looks in his costume. Uniform. It's a pumpkin uniform. I guess that makes more sense. This episode also brought to you by (laughs) Ori. And Ori did me a huge favor. I was like held up in a cabin and they brought me these pages that we needed to read this, uh, I guess. Script pages. Yeah. No, they weren't script pages. They were literal like pages from this old, old book that their dad found. And we had to like read, read the incantations on them to save ourselves. I ended up like way back in time, though, for no reason. I'm very confused by that, but we'll talk about it, I'm sure. I'll explain it. But I mean, that, <laughs> that's what you get for using pages from Necronomicon for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> uh Well, thanks, Ori. We appreciate your help. We now return you to the epic saga, The the Patrionicals. All right, so Sweden blew up and our... (laughs) All of Sweden blew up, guys. (laughs) And then the relationship sailing away, Sweden's in flames. (laughs) Hey, what was the gender reveal at the Sweden gender reveal party? <laughs> it was Florkin, which is very controversial. <laughs> it also translates roughly to bookcase. All I know is it has some meatballs. 
<laughs> These are Ikea jokes. Are you guys following us, Mikey? Please continue. <laughs> okay, so a giant submarine flying comes up. It's, Ch- it's Chip and Dale. Chip and Dale. Yeah. Chip and Dale. Illuminati. Chip and Dale. When you're naughty. <laughs> yes. Yes, Paige. So anyway, they say they're at, they broadcast over a thing. They're like, uh, hey, you guys are too dangerous to live in this planet where we're in charge now in this Illuminati-driven future. And so we are getting rid of you. The sub opens up and a big cannon, laser, scientific-looking thing comes out. <laughs> A big cannon scientific looking thing. Just go with it, guys. I mean, honestly, he said Chippendale. I started picturing male strippers. He said <laughs> sub. I thought Fifty Shades. I thought the same thing, Paige. I'm just so ready for him to just be like, you're under arrest for being too sexy. I don't rest you. I strip hard. All this lightning comes out of the cannon and zaps the relationship Back in time. The laser came out and zapped them and sent them back in time. Uh-huh. Where have I heard this before? <laughs> On the Patreonicals. We've used time travel before. <laughs> it is canon, actually. <laughs> like, he's not wrong. It's a literal canon that sends them back in time. <laughs> the relationship <laughs> drops in New Mexico in the Old West. Wow. Like, Ooh. what time period? Like, are we talking post-Civil War? Like, 1860s? Well, yeah, we're talking We're talking three years after the Civil War, 1868. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little worried for Karun because he has blue <laughs> skin. So, that's what I'm going to start with. <laughs> Karun's got blue skin, and he's like, what is this? They're like... Karun, okay, so this is the Old West, which is like a time period back in time. And they have to go on this like three hour long explanation of what the Old West is, Karun. <laughs> Including three different remixes of Old Town Road. They're like, we're going <laughs> to take Karun to the Old, Old Town, Town Road. Road. <laughs> we're going to buy him hats so people don't stare. <laughs> and that's what Eddie like spends his whole day doing is explaining to Karun with like a donkey from the Old West, like wandered up to the ship. And Eddie converses with it to find out that they are in the 1800s. Wait, 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 wait. The whole ship got transported back in time? Yeah. Wow. Okay, okay. And so the donkey and, and Eddie explained to Karun, like, what the Old West is. Like, that's the whole, that's Eddie's whole thing. Right. Uh, and the donkey's, like, like welcoming them because he's, like, a super nice, chill dude. Then three people wander up to the ship and start attacking it. Just three randos? It's They're not randos. They're people from the future. Just three rando Calrissians? Because <laughs> they're from the future. I guess that was the past. I'm sorry. That was a long time, a galaxy far, far away. Now, That's on me. here's my question. Why are there future people also in the past with our past people? Is this like when Star Trek, the next generation, went to the 1800s? Stay tuned, Paige. Uh, <laughs> so so this, this woman named Sasha orders what looks like Matthew, our intrepid... One of our heroes. It looks like Matthew, but he has a goatee. (laughs) (laughs) I was joking when I said, is it Star Trek? But it's clearly Star Trek. This is a new separate patron, evil Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Mikey, we now have two Matthews and you made one of them evil to differentiate them. Yeah, he's got a goatee. How can you not yeah, tell him? Yeah, he's got a goatee. Yeah. <laughs> it's obvious, Todd. Yeah, it's obvious in a audio medium that the one with the goatee <laughs> is the evil one. Okay. We'll just have to <laughs> tell people about the goatee every time and hope to God he doesn't shave. 
<laughs> so he's attacking regular Matthew because he's super pissed. Right. Only one can survive. Bitch stole my look. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sasha is a behavior analyst. Like from the future? Yeah, in real life. So she's also trained animals to attack. So all of these squirrels attack Isaac, just jump all over him and attack Isaac. And Isaac's taking them off and trying to eat them because he's a cannibal guy. And, and he's like falls off the boat. But they're animals. Like <laughs> He's a cannibal for all things fleshy. <laughs> okay. And um, Dave runs over and Dave is a, one of the people who attacks. He's a new person. And he knocks Kate unconscious. And the Terminator robot Tristam turns around and shoots him like 90 times. He like dies. Wait. Dave's dead already? Yeah. Or is he? Bum, bum, bum! <laughs> Go team! <laughs> and then there's this awkward moment where everyone's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, why are you guys in the Old West? <laughs> <laughs> you guys seem sort of future like we do. And Tristan was like, does not compute. And then <laughs> Sasha was like, the Illuminati sent us back here. You're, like, we've been here for a while. Um, well, actually, we've been here 10 minutes because they just, to them, they just got sent back. And, and uh, we, you know, we were enemies of the Illuminati. They sent us back in time. And they're like, we, so were we. And then they were like, we're all stuck in the old West. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> so are evil Matthew, Sasha, and Dave completely evil? Or is it just a misunderstanding? Is Tristan going to be okay in a world before electricity? Who thinks that Mikey knows enough about the Wild West to keep this storyline going more than two weeks? <laughs> Find out next week on another episode of <laughs> The Patreonicals. So we remember the Consequence Podcast Network, so if you would, check out their stuff at consequenceofsound.net. And if you want to check out our website, go to horrorvirgin.com. You can get links to the merch store and stuff like that. And if you want to follow us on social, we are at Horror Virgin. If you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter and at Rampage Wesley pretty much everywhere else, including TikTok if it still exists. Yes. Mikey is at M Randolph24 and I am at Todd J Awesome. We, if you like this thruple, are we a thruple? No. If you like this lineup <laughs> of hosts and want to check out more content that we create, check out our other weekly podcast. Romancing the Pod, where we do hilarious breakdowns of rom-coms and romantic movies. Paige also has two other podcasts, Black Card Rehab with Crystal Adams. It's a great, great podcast. And another great, great podcast that she's on is The Cult Podcast, which you guys check out every Monday. They're all great podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Thanks for listening to Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. Keep it spooky. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs> you finally got it, Paige. We're so proud. Paige, I, I am so happy too. for you. I know. I know it's better to hear it the second time because I didn't know if you were going to remember. I did remember. <laughs> I'm not like you with the Patreonicals. I remember things. Oh. Oh. Bye. Bye. Evil nerds. All I'm going to say is we're all responsible for my dad texting me the words dick neck the other night. So. <laughs> That's a different podcast. Consequence Podcast Network.